At the end of Mass one Sunday, a priest said to his parishioners, Next week, I plan to preach on the sin of lying. In order to prepare yourself to hear that homily, you'll need to do something this week. You will need to read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. So please do that before you come to Mass next weekend. Well, the following Sunday came, and the priest mounted the pulpit, and he began his homily by saying, as you will recall, I gave you all a homework assignment at the end of Mass last week. I asked you to read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I'd now like to see a show of hands. How many of you did that? Well, every single person in the church raised his or her hand. The priest smiled and said, My brothers and sisters, the Gospel of Mark has only 16 chapters. I will now proceed with my homily on the sin of lying, which obviously we all need to hear. Lying is one of the activities mentioned by St. Paul in today's second reading from Colossians 3. Paul's basic point in that text is that we Christians are supposed to act like redeemed people. Because we are redeemed people. He starts off by reminding the Colossians that they have been redeemed through baptism. That they have received the grace of salvation into their souls by being born again of water and the Holy Spirit. He says, if you were raised with Christ, raised, in other words, in baptism, seek what is above. Now, in other translations, other translations of this text, the first part of that line is rendered, since you have been raised with Christ, which I would say makes the point a little clearer. Here, Paul is reminding the Colossians of who they are. He's reminding them of their identity in Christ. He's reminding them of the great spiritual gift they have received, which is this great spiritual gift that all of us who are baptized have received. Of course, Paul's message was not just meant for those Colossians living in Asia Minor back in the first century. His message is also meant for us in 2007. Paul is saying to you and to me and to all baptized Christians of all times and of all places, you have been forgiven. You have been baptized. You have been set free. And you have risen to new life with Christ in baptism. You've been redeemed. Now the Lord Jesus expects you to live like you're redeemed. As you are, so you should act. By his power within you, by the Lord's saving grace, you are to seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then St. Paul gets specific, just in case some of his listeners weren't too clear about the details of Christian living. What does it mean, Paul, to seek what is above? 
Well, he says explicitly, you have to put to death the parts of you that are earthly. And I like that expression because that's the way it is for all of us. This stuff doesn't die easily in spite of the fact that we're baptized. He gives a list of what we need to put to death. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed that is idolatry. Then, at that point, he mentions lying. In fact, what's interesting is he singles that out. He singles that particular sin out and he puts it in its own sentence. He says, stop lying to one another. Now, is that a coincidence that Paul did it that way? I don't think so. I think that was by design. And I think he did it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because lying is a very common sin. I dare say it was as common in the first century as it is today. And secondly, I think he put it in its own sentence because lying stands behind many of the other sins that people commit in their lives. This is something we might not think of very often. It might be something we're not even aware of, but it's true nonetheless especially in our contemporary American culture. It is not a coincidence that the sin little children will mention most often in the confessional, besides the sins of disobeying their parents and fighting with their brothers and sisters, is the sin of lying. Ask Father Mike. Ask any priest. Top three. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I disobeyed mommy and daddy a lot of times. I beat up my brother. He deserved it, but I beat him up anyway. <laughs> and I lied. And they're not always in that order. Sometimes lying makes it to the top of the list. We live in a culture right now that is literally steeped in lies. Some of them we're not even aware of. So it should come as no surprise to us that children fall into this sin so easily. It's in the air we breathe. Let me give you some examples. Greed. The very sin that Jesus warns us against in this Gospel text from Luke 12. That sin is rooted in a lie. Lying stands behind greed. Actually, Greed is rooted in several lies. The greedy person, the materialistic person, conducts his affairs as if his earthly life will last forever. But that's a lie. As Jesus makes clear in this parable, our lives on earth are only temporary. Sooner or later, what happened to that rich character in the parable is going to happen to you and to me. We're all checking out of here. The greedy person acts as if he will be able to, as the old saying goes, take it with him. That too is a lie. As the author of Ecclesiastes put it in that first reading, I think this is a great passage of the Bible. He writes, here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, yet to another who has not labored over it, 
he must leave property. This also is vanity and a great misfortune. Yeah, it is. You earn it, you earn the shtadol and somebody else gets it. It is a great misfortune. But it's also reality. Ultimately, the greedy person lives and acts as if money can and will buy him happiness. Which, of course, is one of the biggest lies of all. Another dimension of life where lying is rampant these days is the area of sexuality. Now, we may not associate the two, lying and sexuality, but the two can be very intimately, pardon the pun, connected. How so? Well, let me explain it this way. Sex is a good thing in the eyes of the church. The world likes to say, you Christians think that sex is dirty. No, it's the world that thinks sex is dirty. That's why worldly people tell dirty jokes. In the eyes of God, in the eyes of the church, sex is a gift from the Lord. And it's sacred when it conforms to God's plan. However, when it does not conform to God's plan, it ends up, believe it or not, becoming a lie. A lie that people tell not so much with their words, but with their own bodies. In the Catechism, paragraph 2361, it says this, Sexuality is realized in a truly human way only if it is an integral part of the love by which a man and a woman commit themselves totally to one another until death. God designed the marital act. You know that? God is the author of sex. Hopefully you married people say, thank God. <laughs> it's his doing. Hallelujah. He designed the marital act to be an expression of love, an expression of self-giving love, which is meant to take place within the context of a total, exclusive, lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. That is to say, within a valid marriage. In any other setting, in any other context, it's a lie. That's because the sexual act itself has a certain language attached to it. And it's not there by accident. The language is attached to it, or has been attached to it, by God. Through the very act of sexual relations, a man says to a woman, and a woman says to a man, I give myself totally and completely to you. But you see, if the couple isn't married, if they aren't committed to one another totally, exclusively, and for life, then they are lying to each other with their bodies when they come together. With their bodies, they're saying, I give myself totally and completely to you. But in reality, they aren't doing that. They're not giving themselves completely because 
they haven't made a complete, total, lifelong commitment to one another in marriage. This is also a reason, it's not the only reason, but it's one reason why artificial birth control and sterilization are wrong, even within marriage. You see, in those situations, spouses say to one another, again, with their bodies, I give myself totally to you. But when they contracept, or when they are sterilized, they don't actually do that. Because they hold back a very important part of themselves, namely their fertility their ability to bring new life into the world. Couples who practice natural family planning, NFP, on the other hand, and I know we have many of them, thankfully we have many of them, in this parish. Couples who practice NFP do not lie with their bodies in this way. I was thinking in preparation for this homily, you might say that NFP couples have honest sex. In fact, if you're an NFP practitioner, so to speak, and one of your contracepting friends makes fun of that, you tell them, well, at least my spouse and I have honest sex. That's why it should come as no surprise to us that couples who practice NFP have a 4% divorce rate as opposed to the 50% divorce rate in the culture itself, in our society. See, honesty makes a difference. Honesty makes a difference in marriage. Honesty makes a difference in every dimension of marriage. Speaking of lying, I have to mention this one on this particular weekend. What about Barry Bonds, who stands on the verge of breaking Hank Aaron's career home run record? In fact, he tied it last night. We know for an absolute fact that Barry Bonds used a testosterone-based ointment in the late 1990s to enhance his performance on the field. We can only imagine what else he used. And so I and many others are wondering, when he finally hits number 756, will it be a real record? Or will this great athletic achievement also be rooted in a lie? Based on what I have read in recent months, my personal opinion, this is not de fide, but my personal opinion is this. At the end of this baseball season, the legitimate career home run record will still be held by Henry Aaron. And I should also add, the legitimate single season home run record will still be held by ex-Yankee Roger Maddox. And believe me, it takes a lot for a Red Sox fan to admit that last one. <laughs> But you know what? The truth is the truth. I really believe that all those who broke Roger's record a few years back, Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa, 
I think they all did it with a little quote-unquote help. In other words, they lied. Do you see why our young people have such a problem telling the truth? These are their heroes. These are the people they look up to in the sports world. These men acted as if they were hitting home runs with their natural ability alone. But they weren't. When we think of lying, we usually think of people denying the truth with their words. And that's understandable because that is lying. But the problem goes way beyond that, as I hopefully have made clear in this homily. Lying can involve a person's actions as well as his words. Stop lying to one another. Let's take those words, let's take that message home with us today. Stop lying to one another. May those words of St. Paul in today's second reading motivate all of us especially us adults, to examine our own conduct and to repent of whatever dishonesty we discover in our words and in our actions. Because maybe, just maybe, if we adults become more truthful in our words and in our deeds and set the right example, maybe priests like Father Mike and I won't hear that sin of lying confessed so often in the confessional by little children. Those little children won't confess it as much because they won't need to.